I'm Reggie, and that's Brian. This is R&B Talks. How's everybody doing out there? (laughs) Good. How you doing, Reg? Excellent. I think we'd be better after the quasi-disaster of last week where we did an entire episode without any audio on my side, and then we had to come back and redo it. Although, I did watch the redo, and I was very happy with it. I thought we did a good job. It was good, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with it. You know... It's, this is my, this has been my week of uh, transition in school where I don't have any classes. Nice. So I start back up tomorrow again. Okay. What are your classes? I, I don't even know what this one is. <laughs> You're just going to show up and hope for the best? I, yeah. I'll just look at my <laughs> schedule stuff tomorrow and be like, all right, what's going on? Because I, I don't know. It, 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 Do you have textbooks? Uh, yeah. They're online. Oh, so they're digital tech. Yeah, everything's online, dude. Okay. Everything's online. So you don't have to worry about it too much. But you you get in there and like you usually have like a a, a survey to fill out the first week. You have some kind of reading to do. You have like an introduction to do. Um and either like a discussion board post or a quiz or something. It's really, you know. Nothing I can't knock out in like a couple days. Dig it. It's not a big deal. All right. Okay. I have something. Lay it on me, dude. I keep seeing this daggone post um, on like Facebook and Instagram stuff talking about cash and how why cash is like superior to like credit cards and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And the sentiment I get, and I, I don't necessarily disagree that like, you know, using cash is like beneficial. You save on things here and there. Mm-hmm. But it go it, it kind of goes on this long, and I don't have it with me, but I, I um but it, it, it kind of goes down this trail like if you pay somebody 50 bucks and then they pay their people and then there's like using a credit card, you got all these fees that come off of that and come off of that and come off of that. And eventually, like, it's like their 50 bucks was really worth like a dollar fifty or something. But it's totally inaccurate. And it, that, that does not work at all. And it's kind of I, I see it all the time. People sharing this crap. And it's like that is not how that works. And it is not that does not even make any mathematical sense whatsoever. <laughs> um or does it even make sense when you talk about when you have a product that you sell? So, uh, convenient. Let's talk about it's it's convenience fee basically is what you're doing when you're using a credit card or something like. So the the um, whoever's the retailer has to have a process and, and and a way for that to have that transaction be done through a credit card. So there's a fee on top of that or whatever that they have to make. Well, any business that does that is going to have that included into the costs or something along that lines. Yeah, you would think. Most of the time, right? Because even when there's a retail price that like a retailer has to stick to, there's a margin associated with that. And that margin is usually like 30 points at least, right? Most businesses. I mean, as someone who ran retail establishments, you usually try to keep the margin at 50 points. Yeah. That covers your fees. That covers... You know, any surprise fees that might come up because a lot of credit card companies like to kick you in the butt with like a half a percent or a three quarter percent that you weren't expecting for some kind of dumb fee. Well, that, but that, what I'm getting to is that when you pay for a product, you're not just paying for the you're, you're paying for the shipping that get the product yep. here or there. You're paying for the raw material. Yep. You're paying for the engineering time. You're paying for development, for the testing, for whatever fees. There's It's not credit card fees that's that's the only like fee in there there's like a ton of different like fees that get roped into how much a product costs to, to deliver right yep and so so agreed it's it's a cost of doing business and so but 
and and then again, so it's not that that fifty bucks becomes less at all, or that that ends up with this. You you have all these fees, but they're built into the cost of the. It, you, you still have fifty dollars that you use, no matter if it's a credit card or with its cash. Now, can you buy more with cash? It that depends. De- yeah, it depends on the situation. Like uh, an example would be the gas stations that have like like a cash price and a credit card price. And I get where they're going with that, right? Pay cash, we'll sell it to you for less because we don't have to pay fees on it. I understand the concept of that, but I think you're right. I think this over-exaggeration of how weak the dollar is. Now, don't get me wrong. The American dollar is pretty garbage right now as far as worldwide currency goes. Um, if you look at its value yeah, I mean, but anything, you, you, but... I get where you're coming from. The, it's it's if you're talking cash versus credit card, there are, there are advantages to both. Like, and, and it's a modern, it's a modern way to transact anymore. Yeah, credit cards are part of it. Debit cards are part of it. So you can use credit cards and stuff to your advantage by today. And if you're really smart about it, you can do you you can actually make up f- way more than if you did with cash. If yeah. you're really smart about it. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to point that out here because it was like I keep seeing this over and over again. And while I yeah, okay, giving cash to people's fine, but I, I, I don't want to carry around cash anymore. I don't want to. It's not like I don't want to carry around bills with me everywhere. Yeah. Paper money that is like the, 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 that's not worth anything to have. It just gets destroyed or whatever by accident all the time or torn or whatever. I don't want that. I'd rather have I'd rather have something that says, yeah, take it from this account. Well, I'll be honest with you. I prefer to have cash if it's something small. Like if I'm just paying for something at twenty dollars or less, I'd rather just have keep thirty, forty bucks cash on me. Um I'm I don't know if that's really an important there's a level of importance that goes along with that, or is it just my preference, right? Like Um, but you know, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like the best way to look at a credit card and I, and I know it's not the same, but it's to look at it as a loan. You know, most people think that the, the current concept of credit, if you talk to most young people is I've got this piece of plastic and I can just swipe and swipe and swipe and I only have to pay $25 a month. But what they don't realize is eventually they're going to let you stop. They're going to make you stop swiping. Well, then what do they do? They go get another credit card, right? So the best way to look at it is a loan. You know, I've got to pay this amount of money back and give yourself a time frame to pay it back in, right? Don't don't be like, I bought a $1,000 television and I'll just pay it off when I can. You well, need to have a plan. You, you you can. Okay. So you you if you're disciplined. Yeah. Which, by the way, was part of our last episode. Yeah. If you're disciplined with your finances, right, you can. So, like, because here's what I do, right? I have an American Express card I use for almost everything, but. I also have like an Amazon card I use just for Amazon. Um, there, there's a card that's just used for gas or whatever because they got certain points associated or cash back offers or whatever. So my credit's good enough and everything. I can get pretty much the best, you know, cash back offers and all this stuff. And if I, I pay it off every month, I don't keep a balance on it, yeah. but I still get the points from it. Right. So just by using those things, I'll pay for my entire Christmas. Right. I'll pay for an entire vacation or, or whatever just by using those things and being diligent about it. Yeah. Now you, ha- you, ha- man, I can't stress this enough that it, it, it is a chore to keep all that straight, but it does, 
you do get, if you're diligent with it, yeah. Now, if you're not, then yeah, it'll bite you in the ass. Well, and another thing too, and this is very interesting, and and I've been actually, funny that you bring this up, I've been doing a lot of financial studying as of late and trying to learn more about money and um, <clears throat> don't use a debit card, use a credit card. And the reason is the bank can call you and say, you know what, we're not going to give you this money back. We don't, we can't prove that you didn't spend this money. But the credit card companies are insured for that. So if you call them and say, hey, I didn't spend this $600, they can, they're going to get that money from their insurance, right? So a lot of times with a debit card, it's dangerous because the debit cards are, are kind of, to me, it's kind of like having cash. You lose your cash and somebody steals and spends it. You can't really do a whole lot about it. You don't have a lot of rights to it, right? But a credit card, they're they're insured for that. So when you go out there and spend, if somebody steals your credit card number and spends 500 bucks and you call the credit card company, credit card company is going to be like, fine, we'll take it off. But, and they're going to go file the insurance claim and get their money, right? So, but, but again, that involves a level of responsibility, right? Like you have to be responsible enough to, to know when That's to say I mean. when, right? I mean, so you, you got to really keep track of that stuff. I mean, but, but it is, it is it, like you said, you definitely want to use, I, I don't use the debit card at all unless I absolutely really have to, like, yeah. I don't ever use it. Yeah. Um, I, I do all my bill, bank, bank, banking through online. I do everything. All my bills get paid online, everything. So, I mean, you know, I don't have time to dick around with like taking cash over to here or doing all this stuff. I know people do this stuff and I just don't, don't really care for it, but I, I just thought I'd bring that up because it was just so bizarre. Right. It was just like one of those things where, um, I just keep seeing it over and over. I'm like, man, this is such a misunderstanding about money and like cash versus credit cards and this and that and the values of things and how the math, the, the math doesn't work. <laughs> it's just, it was bizarre. And well, I just, it's just like statistics, yeah. man. If you mess around with it enough, you can make it say anything you want. Right. Like that's the truth of it. Um, I got something today too. Just a little quickie. I was in my living group today and one of the guys in my living group, kind of a, one of my, I would call him my counsel of wisdom, talked about a video about a young kid that he watched. And the dad was, or I, I guess it was the dad. I'm assuming that's assumption on my part. Um, Cause I, pull, I went and hunted down the video and watched it myself. This kid's like five years old. Right. And the dad has $10,000 in cash. And he has a plate with two cookies. And he looks at this five-year-old and goes, would you, would, do you want this $10,000 in cash? Or do you want these two cookies? <laughs> and the five-year-old is like, I want these two cookies. And this dude asks him like four or five times. Like he, he asks him repeatedly, do you want the cash? Trying to kind of guide him in this direction. And, uh, kids like no man i want the cookies and and the point illustrates something that's kind of been bothering me lately is this this whole gender ideology thing of oh because and now they're they're going for it four or five sometimes some as early as three years old indoctrinating kids into gender ideology and i wish i could sit every person down who believes and let them watch this video because it, it's literally like even when you watch it, it's an unassuming video to watch, right? Like you're, you're all right with it. And then 
you know, um, cookies, dude. <sighs> cookies. If you can't, if you, if yet we're we're giving them the ability to have surgeries and remove their genitals and do all the thing, do all the things, man. I, I just don't. It, it makes me wish that there was people that could watch this video, and I think, um. I think that that video is is something, you know. Well, look, here's... A- and I think there's even a meme out there for it, too. Like, as I was looking through, you know, as I'm watching this thing and looking through, and because and, I, I got on here and I just started looking, because after he said it, I kind of kept it in my mind. And it was, you know, it was such a, a, a vivid example of just how stupid this all is. Not just that, though. I mean, like, also, you could use that <laughs> for another illustration of, like, what really matters, Um, you know, and because, and, I mean, you got a piece, bunch of pieces of paper there that you really can't do anything with, with as a five-year-old, but you can certainly eat those cookies and feel good. Yeah. You know, there is something to that as well. And but. what's crazy is it the, the, the okay, so I looked up the video. The vid, video is called Kid Chooses Oreos Over $10,000. And the video doesn't have any, it doesn't have any, ooh, this is what we're trying to prove. It's just a video, right? But it just states, it just shows something that's so stupid, obvious, man, that, you know, you, you, Right now, if you said two cookies or 10 grand, I'd snatch that cash and run. Kids do not have a concept or understanding of future. Their world is immediate and strikes right now. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how people justify. The, you can't. You're not going to be able to figure this out, man. Yeah. I, I, it's but, not going to work. But, but I encourage everyone to watch the video. It's on YouTube. It's a 33 second video, right? Like it's not a long video. But it's it's very telling, like and 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 it just you know you to see something sometimes and it'll just strike you the right way. It just struck me the right way, yeah. right? Like I was like, this is a perfect example of a lack of concept, right? So how 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 can a kid not get a choice between ten grand and a cookie, and yet understand that they need to cut off their genitalia to well, become something yeah, I mean, else right there's so, no there's no common sense when it comes to that shit dude yeah. not, nobody's gonna convince me otherwise yeah well there's just nothing to it that's worth there's nothing to it that there's that the, of any weight right i have another thing okay cat von d got baptized sweet good for her right on isn't that something like this you occult know? she was all into the occult and all that stuff and yep. is uh was going to a small church and now it got baptized Dude, there's um, hope for everybody, right? Oh, there is, but but but. Oh, she was. She, there's been people that have like you know Christians who have been judgmental and stuff towards her, right? as will always be, man. Right, and but here's the, here's the message I kind of wanted to say. We should come to that place with our, in, with our mistakes, with our iniquities, all bare. And no, we are not perfect, right? Yeah. So if somebody makes this choice, they become they get baptized, all this stuff. That does not mean at that point that they have repented and resolved all their stuff. 
Because yeah. I got news for you. That ain't ever going to happen anyway. It does mean they're starting off on a new path and on a new journey towards the truth. Yeah. And I think all these fuddy-duddy, legalistic, nonsense people need to just freaking grow up. Well, it's a perfect example. And look in the mirror. Of, yeah, it's a perfect example of what's broken in the Western church and in Western Christians in general is this I'm good enough, but you're not kind of thing. And, uh, you know, if I could remind anybody, <clears throat> we are born broken, dude. It is. And and for you to sit in your church, in your comfort zone, and to criticize someone who's been through who knows what, right? We don't know their story till their testimony comes forward. And I'm sure, and, and I'm, I'm honestly sure that Kat Von D's testimony will probably come out. And I'm more, I'm really excited to watch that, man, because I'd like to hear her story. There's nothing more powerful to me than a really good testimony. Um, I heard one today, and it was just a, it, it makes me feel better about the world, right, when I hear a really good testimony. And, but, but shut up <laughs> until you hear their story. Not even then, though. Still shut up. Yeah. It you doesn't know, matter. Yeah. You, you are, you, look, there's a right and a wrong way. And we've spoken about this to approach someone about what they're doing. Yep. If you sit there and go on, if some, let's say it's, it's Kat Von D. Who are you? Do you know her? Yeah. It's like, and and if, if you do, and you're going online and you're messaging her and all this shit, you're doing it wrong. You're yeah. absolutely wrong. You're broken. No. Any of that stuff, like the the general biblical understanding of conflict or resolution or whatever, is like you go to that individual first, privately. You talk to them in a loving manner. If things don't start turning around, you bring it up to the elders of the church. You talk to the elders, then they kind of get involved with it. And if that still doesn't happen, then there's a what they they kind of bring in the whole body to say, hey, this is what's going on, yada yada yada. Yeah. There's a whole process that's biblically documented clearly in the New Testament about how you deal with this stuff. But it, Agreed. <clears throat> it never gets to that point. It it's, really doesn't. You hardly ever see something be brought up in front of the whole. Now, I've been to a church. <laughs> I've been to churches that do that, that, like, for some reason, they have, like, this pattern of it. And they're pretty broken churches anyway. Yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm guess, I guess I'm just saying, like, you know, you are not doing anybody a service by contacting or blaring something, especially on social media about someone's faith that you don't even know. How weak is your faith that you would do that? Exactly. How weak is your, how weak is your command of God's will when your immediate reaction to a, someone going through something and finding their way to God is to criticize the fact that they found God for whatever reason, like none of us are deserving Right, none of us are. I mean, look, you have—it's grace, man. You—you you, you have heretical churches. You have heretical um, circles around that are all all over the place. I mean, those should be <laughs> those should be, you know, taught differently. And you got people that get wrapped up in that, I'm sure. But there's a way to do it, and it's not through this. And especially when somebody is new, who's coming into it, bab freshly baptized, all this stuff. No, step back, yeah, stop you, what you, you're doing. Yeah, no, don't uh, don't do it. You know, and I really wanted to make that clear because I, I just it just makes me mad. This is one of those situations where you should be encouraging. Uh oh, 
they understand now we need to send them messages of positivity and messages of encouragement. Good for her, man. Good for her for, for seeing what you and I have both seen, what our families have seen. Good for her, right? I hope the best for her, man. I hope, I hope all of the, I hope all the peace, all the joy, good for her, right? Yeah, man. I, I just, I just, I, I thought that's awesome that somebody who was really involved in stuff like that come around. And I, you, I've seen some other things about, you know, people who are into Satanism and all that kind of stuff. It's just incredible. But, you know, don't, I, I just, I just pity those who sit there and think it's a good idea to lash out. Yeah. And uh, they ought, they ought to, I would smack them if I could get a grip, get a grip, get a grip. All right, Reggie. We have a very interesting subject today, by the way. But first, we should get a word from our sponsor. Indeed. Are you a small business or solo entrepreneur looking for more of our presence online? Technology is ever-changing, and with more and more people spending most of their time on screens, it's important to have your brand out and about, getting the most exposure possible. Worried about not having a big budget for website design or social media? At Edwards Managed Technology Computer Consulting, we cater to every business or solar entrepreneur's individual needs to come up with a plan that works for your product and your wallet. Interested in learning about how we can manage your online presence so that you can spend your time doing what you love to do instead? Visit www.emtcc.net to make an appointment or give us a call at one 888 Mention R&B Talks for 10% off your appointment. Remote and on-site options available. Back from our word from our sponsor, Reggie, what is our subject of the day? Here, here's the thing, man. I, um, I'm going to introduce it like this a little bit. So, so I've been a drummer for a long time, right? Yep. As you know, I've done, by the way, a very good drummer. Um, done a lot of things, but um, you know, never been a <sighs> a list studio musician or you know, um, toured with any major artist or whatever. I played with some major artists and stuff here and there, but uh, done a lot of God, I don't know how many gigs of any number of genres and bands and whatever type of scenarios. And some of, and, and a lot of those have been playing worship music or gospel um, or for services at a church or something. Yeah. So when we're going to talk about worship, it's something that I'm very close to um, and have a, <laughs> have a lot of opinions that kind of have to be sorted um so for me this was a tough tough topic to bear because well we'll get into it i mean how are we defining worship brian well if you look at the webster's dictionary version of worship it says the feeling or expression of reverence or adoration for a deity but if you're asking me as a christian man how to define worship I don't believe there's a single definition, right? Like, and what do I mean by that is, you know, submission can be an act of worship. You know, of course, praise and singing can be an act of worship. Um, you know, uh, service can be an act of worship. So for me to define worship, it's very, it's a very multifaceted thing that that's going to include a lot of different 
avenues, right? Um, I have been to one of your performances, by the way, and, you know, one of the things, let's take Hillsong for an example, you know, irregardless of how we feel about what they write, I think the the thing that attracts people to Hillsong is that it's very, it's got that very modern, like emotional feel. And one of the th awesome things about when I was at your performance, even though you guys were doing like 70s classics at the church, there was this really heavy emotional pull to the music, right? Um, and I think that that's a form of worship for sure, you know, but I think there's so many forms of worship that are included in that. And I would be interested to hear what your definition of worship is because you've been in the mix of it. Like you've been in the heart of so many different kinds of worship. I would really be interested to hear what your definition of worship is. Well, worship is not a momentary action. Worship is a lifestyle that it involves the reverence and the glory to the one who created all things. And that encompasses not just performing, singing, obedience, it encompasses everything. You, you actually, as a Christ follower, should live out worship. Can I ask you? Okay, I have a sub-question. Do you consider what the minister of a church does, the deliverance of a servant sermon, a form of worship? Yes. Awesome. I, I, I felt the same way. I just wanted to know. Because, okay, here, here's my boggle, all right? So, and this is what I had to spend a lot of time. I've had some very, uh, what, which is why I haven't been really involved in a church in a long time or played in a church in a long time now. Um, just some really negative stuff that in, that came from a worship experience I had. Uh, that I was with people for a long time, and it was a real, real dumb thing. Um, and I don't say I don't have any blame there, but I'm just saying that it just left me with a really bad taste in my mouth. So when I was digging into worship, I had all these, you know, butthurt <laughs> comes, <laughs> comes up, dude. <laughs> and, and and but it's it's not. I mean, because the 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 most worshipful I've I ever felt was behind the drum kit in a setting that was very purposeful, very intentional towards God and Christ. So I've had some, I've had some worship experience playing the drums where I broke down. I'm just in the middle of playing and I can hardly sit there anymore just because I'm overwhelmed. You know, I've had situations where I'm, I don't sing by the way. Don't sing at all. I don't plan on singing. Don't want to sing. I was at a Jesus culture uh, convent con a conference, right? And the atmosphere was so thick of a purpose that it was, you just couldn't not be wrapped up in it. Um, And that was from an audience perspective. So, for me, it's it's not complicated. It's just there's a lot of feelings and stuff that get wrapped up for me in in the term of worship. So, what I consider my duties as a father to be worship. I consider my duties as a husband as worship. I consider my work I do every day for corporate America as worship. And and I say all that because it's the intention of. 
the and the attitude I have of it's all stewardship of his creation that I'm managing for him. I'm not doing it just for me. I'm doing it to have tools and to glorify him as the best I can do. And that means being the best I am at anything I ever do. Okay. Well, that's, I, I mean, it's interesting that you say that. And, and here's why I say that. And this is something I've been struggling with for a few years. And this is just real talk. I've had moments where I've felt the Lord's touch in my life with my kids, with my wife. Here lately, I felt a lot of his pull in trying to educate myself more. I have never had the hands in the air musical song of worship moment. Does that make sense? Um, and, you know, it's funny because m- my wife and I have talked about this. We struggle, I think, on the same thing a little bit with this this praise, worship, song, music kind of thing. It's not that I mind it. It doesn't bother me. Like, I'm not like, oh. But for me, I've just never had that moment where it's just poured out of me in that way. Now, I've had moments of intense, long, tearful prayer. I've had moments of, you know, I've had moments where God and I've had it out but I hear people talk about these and I see them in church, man. Well, their, their hands are in the air and the tears are streaming and they're feeling God. And, and I know it's sincere for them, but I've never had that moment, right? Where, where, you know, and I've been to some really, I know this does, I don't, I don't know what relevance this has, but I've been to some ripping good Christian concerts, you know, DC talk, you know, third day, you know, Okay, I, but I've never felt that that welling up of the music. I've enjoyed the music. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of times, man, I just am not. It's not where I'm at, right? And I'm wondering if there's something within me that is broken that I haven't had that experience. No, okay. Let me. I'm going to break this way down. Sweet. Okay. I would really like that because this is this is. I've 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 really put some serious thought and contemplation into this kind of stuff. Let's start with music in general. Okay. okay. God created the entire universe as a musical symphony. And what I mean by that is even the earth vibrates at eight hertz. Think about that. All right. My mind's blown. Keep going. Yeah. The earth vibrates at about at eight hertz, right? It has a musical tone, if you want to say that, because it's it's got a vibration. It's got it. It does. Right. Everything does. Everything is vibrating, right? It goes all the way back to like in the atoms and quirks and all this stuff about how things vibrate and how they are at the very core of the smallest things we can even see or know how things are made up. So vibration, music is vibration. Yes. Okay. So God creates everything (laughs) as a symphony, dude. So it's, in, in everything we do, there's music. Now we might not call it music in the way that we put a song together, or whatever. But there is a, there is there is a tune that's there. 
when you walk out in nature, the very trees are resonating and making some noise. You know, there's a there's some pitches there. There's like, you know, the way the wind blows through the grass and everything. All has a resonance. All has music that's coming out, man. So if you're walking through the woods, you're hearing God's symphony. That's live just right there on the earth, man. Now, we take that and we put, you know, through the years, we've made musical instruments and we've made all this singing. But God didn't just make the universe vibrate, but he also made it like there's there's feeling when he created creation. Obviously, he there was or else he wouldn't call it good. Right. Yeah. So you got to think about like when we start putting up and like you see in King David and all this stuff and how what he did with the musicians and staffing 24 seven worship around with the best musicians that he could find and all this stuff to do this on purpose. So music is intentionally emotional. It's intentionally designed to be impactful and touch you far beyond just hearing notes. Okay. What Christian music has done has found like formulas for writing songs and performing songs and how they are to have that, those musical compositions make maximum effect. Okay. So whenever you go to a bigger church service and they have the lights and they have the sound systems and they do all this stuff, that's all to enhance the effect of whatever music they're playing. Well, but that's what's frustrating for me is I know like, I've there. been in the big churches and I haven't felt that effect. Right. right? But not everybody's going to be moved the same way by musical notes. Okay. You know, they're there. You're sensing it, but you're not, it's just doesn't, that's not your, it's not resonating with you like it does with some of the other people. Some of the other people are letting their emotional kind of get carried away too much too and getting a little too far, as far as I'm concerned, getting too far into it, right? Because I know people, and I'm probably on this path too, right? If I, unless I'm performing it, I don't feel it the same at all. So it's hard for me to have a worshipful experience by listening. It's really difficult because I'm, I'm, I'm the, the difference between me playing it and me listening to it is like a hundred times different for me. Playing it, I'm, I'm like there, I'm involved. The way you have to use musicianship to like you're communicating with a group of individuals to create this art form and you're doing all this stuff and that ha that increases your, I guess your, your involvement in what's being produced. Okay. So for me not to be in there and just listen to it, I'm thinking about like, okay, this, what's the drummer doing? What's the production here? Is this, is this just cause I just, I've been in too long. I mean, like I am, and it's hard for me to just like listen to the music sometimes, yeah. but I can go out and I have been out in, in nature. Um, like when I first saw the grand Canyon, it about broke me down. It was just like, this is unreal. You know, when, when I've been on the, at the top of some of these, some, a couple mountains and stuff, it's just, it'll take your breath away. Right. It's, but it, so, so is that worship? Am I, am, it is if I'm acknowledging and thanking God for what I'm looking at and, and saying, this is you, you created this, this is for you, you know, thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. 
That's that's the difference. Like some people can get down and pray. And and I think hopefully most of us can be honest with God. And that honesty comes with you're going to break down some barriers. He's going to be allowed to to kind of work in and mold and stuff. And that's going to hurt. And that's going to cause some impact. So I don't see any reason why anybody should or shouldn't be lifting their hands up or doing whatever. That's not it at all. I don't care if you're standing there. It's still as a bird, still as a stone. If you're just, I mean, look, if you're just paying attention, you're listening, you like the music and you're just like contemplating what they're singing and kind of like your intention is not them up there on the stage, but him, then you're, you're on the, you're doing it right. Okay. It doesn't matter if you got hands in the air, you're singing or you, it doesn't matter. Well, because there's been other types of music that have moved me. This is a, a very vivid memory. When I was a kid, you know, my musical influences were my uncles, my father, you know, my grandmother. Um, and I remember <laughs> the first time I ever heard Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. And I felt, I didn't cry, but I felt emotion when I heard that song. Like, I understood in my own way what they were saying in the lyrics, right? And I resonated with that song, right? Like, you know, and I've always wanted to find that, you know, my my father and my stepmother do an old Hank Williams bluegrass song, and for the life of me, the name escapes me. But it is the only song that I've ever heard of the faith that I've had a moment of just pure joy listening to it in the sense of this song is lifting. I feel uplifted. It's a little bit more fast paced, but it's really got a really deep lyrical content to it. And, but I never was like, throw your hands up in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Right. And I don't, and I don't want to discredit people that do that because I have seen some people who are truly heart in when they're worshiping. And it's a pleasure to see somebody at that level, right? Like when you see somebody who's, whose heart is for God and their hands are in the air and they're loving the Lord and they're singing out and they're just praising, man, that's cool to see, right? That's really cool to see. But I've never had that moment in a worship where I felt the need to do that. But keep in mind, dude, we're talking about one time for me, dude. Yeah. yeah. That I felt that I, I, I felt like I should do that. Yeah, but for me, it's just never been there. Because right? like here's what, here's here's some another part of this that I think you got to consider too. If you're aware of how broken you are, and you're coming to worship honestly, you may not be lifting your hands. You may be saying, "Damn, I need to be forgiven. Damn, I'm I'm so broken." You know. It can bring you to that place. Now, see, I've been there. See what I'm saying? I've been there where I'm hearing the lyrics of the song, these powerful lyrics, and it's just resonating inside of me how far short I have fallen. Right. That is honest worship. Okay. See, it doesn't feel like that, right? No, it though? doesn't. But but you're. that's what I mean. You cannot worship as a hypocrite doesn't work because if you're if you come to it without being honest and uh, you're doing it wrong yeah okay so more often than not 
I'm there. Yeah. I'm like, man, I really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of my f- shortfalls and I, but I'm also aware that he's done what <laughs> he saved me. And so that the, all that, re, all that thoughts of like forgiveness and the mercy and grace and all that stuff come to, come to me when I think about stuff. That's what gets me broke down more than anything. Not that, and, and Thanksgiving. So, so I mean, that, that, there's nothing wrong with that, Brian, man. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know, not everybody's going to do this the same way, but they all should have truth in their, in whatever way it is, which goes back to, what you and I were kind of chatting about this earlier is what is the cornerstone of good worship, right? Like for me in all of my studies, as we talked about, it's obedience because if you're not obedient in your, your walk with God, doesn't mean you don't sin and doesn't mean you don't fall down. Doesn't mean you don't screw up, but if you're not obedient in your, in your, in your walk with God and you're not doing all that you can, are you really able to worship when you've not, are you, because to me, that's almost falling on deaf ears, right? Like I've lived my life all week long. Anyway, I feel like living it. I've not acknowledged God all week long. I screwed up at every corner and I've not really worried about it, but now I'm going to show up in church and worship. Like I lived this entire week for his plan. Well, then you, you, you're lying. Yeah. You're not yeah. worshiping at that point. I don't think you're, you are. It's you're being you're falsely. I think it's Kabuki theater at that point. Yeah, right? you're like just you're just putting on a show for church. Right? Absolutely. Okay, so that's that's what I mean. That is fault. That is nothing. Well, and it's biblical because it says, I mean, Matthew five thirteen through sixteen, worshiping is worthless without obeying God's commands. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know to what application that is in the sense of, you know, where where the line is drawn. Right. I mean, I, I know there are people that struggle with sin, but they're trying. And then I know there's people that they're just sinning and then they're going to church on Sunday and they're singing and praising and throwing their hands up. And, and, and I know that both exist, right? I know there's a dichotomy and both of them exist and we have to figure out where the balance is between the two or where the break is. Right. But where is that break? Would you say, I mean, for me, that for me, the break is in self-acknowledgement, right? being self-aware enough to know that you're off track. Okay. Well, if, if worship is a lifestyle, it, it, it doesn't just happen on Sunday. So if you're talking about everything you're doing is affecting your worship. So, and that's really your connection to him. Okay. So the more you don't, you turn away and you don't kind of, you, you've been cheating, you've been lying, you've been whatever you know, the case may be, then you're, you're losing that. You're, 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 you're missing out. Okay. Now, if you came to, if you come to a spot, whether it's in the Sunday service or with your praying or with the whatever, and you sit down and from your heart, from the truth of your soul, you speak about father, forgive me. I need, I, I, man, I just need you, blah, blah, blah. And you seek repentance and move forward. Then you're going in the right way. Then you're worshiping in the right way. But if you're just coming at it and you're like, you don't really care if you've done wrong and it's, it, and you get to a, a point where it, I'm not talking, whatever is it, whether it's a song or a sermon or if it's a, a prayerful moment or something and you don't get to that point, that, that it does that, that at one point that should, that should start tearing down some barriers if okay. you 
are saved. Yeah. If you're not, and you don't ever experience like that, that doesn't get you broke down where you're like, man, I'm, I have really screwed the pooch. You should question your salvation. And I would say, like, if you even have the thought of, are you saved? And you can't think of a way that you've, it, you know, if you've let your ego get in the way and all this kind of stuff, then you better get right. And it's not, it's not a worship song that's going to get you there. Agreed. <laughs> it's, it's the, so the worship is not just the song you come into church. It's like the song, the prayer, the sermon, the people around you, your, your attitude, <laughs> your, um, your leave laying aside yourself for the sake of him. All of these things are all a all a part of it, dude. So the, the demarcation is just like, if, if you're not living it out, you ain't in it. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah. I, <clears throat> I'll just reference a couple things here because it, people don't think I'm just spewing out my own thing, but like there's a, a couple articles from the justdisciple.com that I thought were handy. So worship is an act of expressing reverence, honor, and respect to God. Um, it's laying aside oneself and all else to recognize God. It's worship is willing obedience to God's commands out of a place of love. Worship is a mindset and a lifestyle. Worship is that of a pure heart and desire to connect with the creator and the sustainer of all. Worship is not a time of merely emotional excitement. That can be worshiping yourself or you being worshiped by others, especially if you're a performer. And that's where you get a lot of these prosperity gospel people get in trouble. Um, worship is not always an outward act that can be noticed. Matter of fact, most of the time it's not. It's inward, which goes back to your point. It's not to about any individual or anything other than God. Worship is not, it, it does not have ulterior motives, um, and it's not done from a works standpoint. So those are like some, some, some things from the one article I was reading to. And, and there's like worship is, is like you have definitions, like you said, but for a Christian, it's, it's much different. It's not just about a, just one time thing you go into. It really involves your entire faith. Well, I think worship can be prayer, you know, regular prayer. I mean, uh, BibleConnection.com uh, talks about scriptural worship and it says worship worship as a homage or a grateful submission to God. It said worship can be service to others. I believe that's a huge form of worship for God is to carry out the mission, right? Go serve others. Love your neighbor like you love you. You know, uh, worship as reverence or respect for God. Worship as congregational gatherings, which is probably what most commonly is considered worship right is yeah congregation gets together you know but i think also there's a conflict between traditional church like the old school churches and the new school churches and i don't think this really has anything to do with 
anything other than I don't know. Maybe you you can tell me if maybe I'm wrong. Between just tradition, like you know, church when I was a young man, come in. We're gonna sing this hymnal. Turn to page three forty seven. We're gonna sing the old rugged cross. Uh, then turn right. to page five twenty one. We're gonna sing, and we bow to the Lord. And then there's a sermon. And then there's baptisms. We're usually after the sermon. I'm not really sure why. Um, usually now they're before the sermon, which, I mean, I don't think it really matters. And then, of course, there was the closing prayer, and everybody sang one more hymnal, and then you went home, right? And then now you've got the current church where the formats have changed up, right? Where now you may have baptism before you have worship, or you may have worship and baptism intermingled, and then you have maybe... You know, one of my favorite things is to hear someone's testimony. I think that's the most impactful thing that you can give uh, to anyone is the testimony of how you came to find God. Um, I think it's our most effective weapon as Christians when we're talking to people. Um, and then you might have more worship. You might just have a prayer service where all we do is pray, right? Or, or we talk about prayer and reverence to prayer. And so I think conflictually, there's a lot of confusion, right? Because a lot of us grow up in one type of church and now we're in the newer type of church because that's the development. And a lot of us only know the new type, right? So there's this kind of mix up of, you know, generational confusion going on between the two. Let me, let me, okay. There's two, let me, let me throw out this scenario. I was thinking about this. Let's say you have someone in their twenties. They, they've, uh, they love music. They go to concerts all the time. They love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And let's say they walk into an old traditional church that just sing hymnals and stuff. Can they be affected by that? And can that really pull them into like wanting to learn more? Can. If they walk into a church, though, that's a maybe you got a little bigger church. They have like a, a more of a production involved. Is that likely to impact them more to where they want to learn more, where they want to come back? Yes. So the music part of the worship service is to really draw people. I would say draw people into the message to be more open and receptive to the message, the sustenance of the teaching. Okay. Cause you know, worship in general, if you're just talking modern contemporary Christian worship is going to, I mean, there's some, there's some real gospel um, in some, in some of these worship songs. True. But that's not that's not going to be the one thing that is going to lead you to understand what Christ did on the cross, how he was, you know, resurrected. It's not going to it's not going to probably get you to the whole gospel. That's going to take some teaching. That's going to take some guidance. That's going to take a community of people to get you there. So it doesn't matter if it's like some one dude up singing a you know with a guitar singing yeah. and everybody sing along with it or a hymnal or or a full-fledged production kind of thing the intention of it is what's important and and it's like it goes from not just it's not just you know the peop, the the person on stage or the singer or the lighting guy or the the person who wrote the song all of that has should be with the right intention pointed to him where what westernized Christian churches are doing now, though, is it's too much about them or it's too much about the production or it's too there's it's it's kind of like God is the second fiddle to 
all this other stuff. Yeah. That's where it becomes a problem. And you see that in the, in, in the, in some of the heretical modern worship music we have from Bethel, from Hillsong and from Elevation Worship, just to give three of them. And I'll plainly say it right as day. There's some of it that is not. It is not theologically gospel centered at all. It's, it's a bunch of, some of it is just terrible because of the way their churches are, their theology of the churches they go to. That's what's bleeding into some of these songs. That's what's wrong. Now, I don't, I don't begrudge anybody for listening to whatever music, but if you're playing worship, well, that's a different thing. You know, you're, you're, you're there. You're just putting a purpose to it. That is not you. That is not them. That's not this. It's him. You stray away from that. You start saying me and I and we and all this stuff in your songs. And it's not pointing to him. You ain't worship. You're glorifying you or someone else. That's where the problem is. So production for production's sake. No. But if you really have the intention of, I'm going to do this the best I can, I'm going to, you know, whoever comes in here is going to get, you know, whether it's loud or it's not, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. There's, pe- there's different people going to, there's going to strike a nerve with different people, mm-hmm. but the intention, it's all about what your purpose is underlying all of that stuff. There's, you know, and I, I say all that because you can't, you cannot say, it's you, you're only allowed these certain instruments and it's not supposed to be this. And it's not supposed to be, that's not true because King David was after God's own heart. And that dude had thousands of musicians that I, that was not going to be soft. You can't have like a thousand freaking horn players and say that that's going to be quiet or not loud. That's you're, you're out of your mind. You, you know, that's not going to happen, you know? So it's not, it's, you know, he had all kinds of things and we got to look at King David as like, if, if <laughs> as he truly brought worship to a whole other level at that stage. And I'd love to see it like I mean, good grief. That'd be something else. Yeah. But you know, that's, there's a huge difference between I mean, people got to set aside their own nonsense, yeah. their own traditions sometimes in order to realize the truth of the matter is that, doesn't matter. I don't care if it's metal music. I don't care if it's rap music. I don't care if it's, if you call it whatever country or, uh, funk or J- Jamaican, you know, or some Rastafarian guy over there. It doesn't matter as long as the intention is to the right place. As long as the song is centered in toward God's characteristics and not yours. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to that. I mean, I would say if you go back, and we, since we're talking about the types of worship, so in the Old Testament, you had offerings were a lot of them, right? So that somebody would bring in stuff. And you had like, this even goes back to Cain and Abel, where Cain brought in some fruit and God said, meh, you know, because it was like he didn't really sacrifice anything to bring him that. But then Abel brings in like the best he had. And, you know, God says, that's good. That's the first example of really kind of like an offering of worship that gets thrown in there. You have all the way through First Samuel where it's like obeying is greater than it's, it's really talking about the obedience is greater than sacrifices. And then um, Isaiah 25 says, exalt and praise God, you know um, again, in Jeremiah obedience over sacrifices and, you know, there's steadfast love in Hosea um, worship is what God desires. Meaningless sacrifices aren't the way, you know, that's in Psalms. And then I mean, you go, it goes on and on about stuff. And even when, 
when um, you get into the New Testament, when you see uh, one of the key things in Luke is when when that woman comes up and she's crying on Jesus's feet and wipes it off with her hair and puts her perfume. That was that's an act of worship. It's not centered on her. She's totally focused on Christ. That's that's a true worship moment. She's broke down, tears everywhere, not for her. She's doing an act of worship. It's it that's incredible. Um in John chapter four, he they, it talks about genuine and truthful heart in worship. Again, you can't you're not gonna lie your way through there. Yeah. Um there's a, <laughs> there's a lot more, but but there there's there is a right and a wrong way to worship. Um, and you see even that in Revelation when you have all these just awesome creatures and the elders are all gathered around. And what are they doing? <laughs> They're worshiping. I mean, look, it's, 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 it's everywhere and it needs to be everywhere and it's for a purpose. Um, I had <laughs> something, I had so many notes here that got all mixed up, but, um, sacrifice was a means of worship before Christ came. I think here's an important point. Do we sacrifice animals anymore? No, because we already had the sacrificial lamb. And that's something that was taught in the new Testament after, after Christ was that, look, you don't, there's no point in the sacrifice anymore. That's already been done. You can't get more sacrificial than what was already done. Yeah. So that's an example of one thing that isn't going to happen today. It yeah. shouldn't happen today. It'd be well, radical. Yeah. Shouldn't need to, shouldn't need to occur. No. But other than that, you know, singing and dancing and, um, music, um, obedience, um, prayer, prayer, all that stuff is worship. I mean, that 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 is worship. I mean, and I'll point to this too. Um, Alan Parr, his uh, "The Beat" by Alan Parr. Sometimes I don't agree with everything he says. I mean, I'll be honest, but he does have some good stuff about worship. So he was using John four as an example as well. But he, you know, he he points out a couple things. Worship is not about a place, but a person. It's not even about church. It's about God. Um. And and also to what we were talking about, the more the more you're living out worship, the more you know about God, the more you're seeking Him, the more you can worship. The more you're going to be able to connect, the more you're going to be impacted. Um, worship must be rooted in truth. So again, you know, songs, the the players, the singers, the you're listening to it has to be from a place of honesty. You can't just you know. It's it's telling when you're just that Sunday that Sunday morning dude who goes off and has all these affairs and stuff and then comes in on Sunday is like woo no yeah, you're you're not that bad no. you're gonna be that guy. There's some song examples he gave um, that are not theologically true. So the song "Too Good Not to Believe." Yeah, totally agree with that one. It's not it's not rooted in truth. A song called "Champion" is not. Uh, a song called Closer is not. Those are just three specific songs he called out. That, But there's more than just that. Those are, if you see those songs and realize what they are. Uh, skipping ahead, worship should be about God. It, it should be God-centered. 
um, both what we listen to and and kind of should be, it's all about him. So if it's not pointing to him, if it's not pointing to a characteristic of him, then it's it's failing in its job of being a worship tune. Um, worship needs to be spirit led. So in other words, you know, there's a your the Holy Spirit or your own soul. I'd say even both. He calls out the Holy Spirit, I think, but it's really I'd say both. Your soul should be moving in it. It shouldn't just be an act of emotion, but there needs to be a soul centered approach to that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean there's there's a there's a ton we can say, but I've just, you know, I've kind of come to the conclusion of my own journey with worship that it's like it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Like if if like cuz I'm going to like when I'm playing, I don't just sit there like a rock, you know, I'm pretty in it myself. There's there's an emotion in my face. There's emotion in what I'm playing. And I, for a long time, I was questioning whether or not I was doing that right, but it's it's not because my purpose behind that wasn't for me. It's just how I I'm, I'm just trying. I'm involved. I'm engaged in the material that's being presented, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a singer who's tearing out his heart up there singing along and is and is feeling the impact. There's nothing wrong with that. There is something wrong with a bunch of dancing charades and all this stuff for the sake of nothing else but glorifying them. Then it gets too far. If your lyrics and your songs are not theologically centered, are not God centered, there's something wrong with that. But in general, there's look. We we live in Western culture where the the <laughs> where worship is contorted to be a Sunday morning activity and it. Absolutely, is a lifestyle, and not should a be, thing. Yeah, you, your acts should be worship, worshipful, right? Yes. The the, and I mean, not, and, and let's be clear, <laughs> none of us, a hundred percent of our acts are worshipful, right? We're we're self centered individuals and beings, period, right? And none of our acts are considered a hundred percent worshipful all the time, but we should be striving for that. You know, having a little trouble there, Reg. Look at this. This is crazy, dude. Well, man, I, I, dude, you've opened my eyes to a few things today. Professor Reggie, ladies and gentlemen, okay, that's not has work. opened my eyes to some things today. But, you know, if anything, I could tell people that would be helpful. It would be to drive your focus to worship for no other reason than to, you know, give yourself a center for communicating with God and, and, you know, I feel like worshipful acts are a great way of communicating with God, right? Like, you know, whatever those acts may be, you know, whether it's praise or prayer or whether it's, you know, acts of obedience or, or whether it's, you know, carrying out the the commission and going and talking to people, just, just look at it all as a form of worshiping God, right? Like, like I consider, you know, our living group that we go to an act of worship because there is just some deep dive conversations that go on there that we don't get anywhere else. So I feel like that's all a, a, a way for us to worship. The very fact that we're here to be able to do that, you know, so I don't know. What do you think? Well, me sitting here talking about this is an act of worship. I'm doing this for me. <laughs> Sorry. Not. I mean, sure, I get enjoyment out of it, and I like doing this. But I mean, at the center of it, if I'm if my intention is to 
help others, that's, I'm worshiping. Well, and on top of that, I would warn other people to, you know, be careful not to play the, the, the bless God, blame God game with your worship, right? Like, oh, I had a great week. God is great. Oh, I had a terrible week. Where are you, God? Right? Unfortunately, um, if you are a true believer, you believe that this is all part of the plan, right? And even when the bad weeks come and and we struggle, um, that's part of the plan. That's part of that's part of the 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 growth and the in the and the development of who we are in the faith. And you know, but I, I know a lot of people that love him when he's great and hate, and don't love him so much when things aren't going well. And and I think that's the great divider between the true Christian and the non Christian is when they say you know, God, it's it's just part of your plan, and I'm grateful for it. Okay, there's a story about Charles Spurgeon. Do you know who Charles Spurgeon was? Mm. Known as the Prince of Preachers. He lived, lived in the uh, 1800, uh, 1700s. Ah, crap. I get all my theologians confused it's now. Okay. 17-ish, 18-ish. I don't know, a long time ago. But he was was a brilliant theologian, um, Could could preach. It was it was something that's why he's called the Prince of Preachers. There's a story about him that he was like he was going he was this walking to his next the next town or whatever, and um he was like struck by he had not been accosted in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that brought him down to like he he caught off the road and was like went down to his knees and started praying that, you know, hey, what have I done? Because he was he hadn't been attacked in a long time, so he's thinking, well, if I'm not doing good, I'm doing something to cause the the principalities to not attack me. So I'm he broke down. I was like, oh, what am I? I'm so sorry. What did I do? I asked forgiveness and move on. It was like you know he got back on the road, and a short time later he was mugged, and he got right <laughs> back on the side of the road and said, "Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I know you're here." Thank you. Dude. Kept walking. Got back on the road, walked to there. But the idea is that if you're doing good works, if you're doing the right thing, you are going to be attacked. Yeah. Okay. If the devil ain't after you, you're doing something. Yeah, wrong. man. If you're, if you're, if he ain't got your number, you, you might be playing for his team. Yeah. You know? So we, we, we got to really consider this that it's not, we're not. <laughs> It never says, hey, once you're a Christian, everything's going to be good. It's That's not it at all. Matter of fact, it says the opposite. You know, there, and, and if you think about it, you do not, I mean, like in, in, especially in the first world, right? We're talking, you know, in the U.S. and most of the, most of the country, we don't need God for our basic stuff. You know, we're going to, we're going to, we got to, we're going to eat. We're going to have someplace to sleep. We're going to have someplace to get water. You know, the basics of our existence to keep us alive is taken care of. Yep. Pretty much. We don't, we're not worried about that stuff. Other places in the world, you like that. And if you ever take a missions trip to somewhere uh, that's got some issues, you see, you see God like he's working. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And I, I say that because. Sometimes you need to reach a point where you need God in order to get closer to him. Sometimes you're going to have to get broke down 
to where you are, you've, you're on the last rope. You have nowhere else. You there's, it's like, you're never, you, you just feel so done. It's, you know, anything else more happens. You don't know if you even survive. Yeah. That's when you encounter God. And it's not that he isn't working all the time. That's when you're going to notice. Yeah. So he's working in your life every single day, every moment of every day he's there, but you have to get to a place where you can take the blinders off and actually see him. And trust me, if you need that, you will thank him too. Cause in the end that that'll spur you on to something else. I mean, you know, you, it'll, it'll create a whole new perspective. I've been there. Wow. I don't think we can say much more than that, dude. <laughs> like you just like, bam, finite point. Like that was really good. Worship's cool and we should live it out. It's not a momentary action. Um, it's, it's a lifestyle. Absolutely. We're good. Like it. Yep. Love it. Hate it. Respond. Facebook, <laughs> R&B talks. We'd love to hear from you. Um, keep on. We've had some good stuff on YouTube going on. Really appreciate the people who are listening. Um, hope that you're still listening. Hope that we resonate with you. Um, but more than anything, we just hope for you. We're making some kind of impact. That's why we're doing this. Is We want to make an impact. We want to help people understand that it's okay to think differently, walk differently, talk differently. It's a good thing. Guys, we're two guys, two mics. See you later. See you later.